the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is Pastor Scott, and it is summertime. I'm going to get it warm in Southern California. I'm very happy about that until it gets so hot that I'm going to start complaining about the uh, heat. Anyway, I'm looking forward to it this weekend. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number. You can also send me an email at pastorscott at kkla.com. What constitutes a religion? Have you ever thought about that? Like what makes somebody's belief system or somebody's, you know, the things that they believe, when does it turn into a religion? You know, when does an idea become a religion? Have you thought about that? It's it's an important question because of the way we're treating ideas and the way we're treating science and information today. A lot of conversation about the school, about the government, and whether or not we are informing people or indoctrinating people. There is a big difference. What do you think about that? When does something become a religion versus just an idea? The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'm prompted about this because there's a few different things in the news that are interesting to me. One of them, you know, along this question, there is a man who is a professor who is uh, who was fired in Texas from his school for uh, actually teaching as a biology professor that chromosomes determine your biological sex. So yeah, I got to hear this. A biology professor at a Texas community college claims that he was fired for teaching that sex is determined by X and Y chromosomes. Four students stormed out of his classroom and he was accused of being, quote, a religious preaching and making discriminatory, uh, discriminatory comments about gay and transgender people. So his name is Dr. Johnson Varkey, and you're going to hear him tell his story. He was fired recently for teaching that very thing about uh, human uh, biology that has been accepted uh, as long as we've understood what chromosomes are. And basically, if you look it up, the biologic, it says biological sex in humans is determined by a combination of genetic, anatomical, and hormonal factors. The primary determinant is the presence of sex chromosomes. Typically, females have two X chromosomes and white males have, or wild males, not white males, all males, have one X and one Y chromosome, XY. And that's the difference. And that's what he was teaching in his class. And he got fired for teaching religion. Here's him explaining his story. See, I have been teaching human anatomy and physiology at uh, St. Philip's College, which is one of the community colleges in the city of San Antonio. And last fall, when uh, that is November of uh, uh, 2022, while I was teaching the basic concept of a human reproductive system, which I have taught for 20-some years, four of my students just walked out. 
So the semester ended, and on January 12th, I received an email from the Vice President of Academic Success at St. Philip's College that they are doing an ethic violation investigation on me due to some complaints that they received. So I responded to his email and asked him, what are the complaints? Then he said, the human resources will, uh, uh, further communication will be with the human resources. Nobody from human resources contacted me, but uh, on January 27th, I received another email from him saying that my teaching was religious. It was a religious preaching and was offensive to some individuals in the classroom. So I am terminated. I am fired. In fact, I was shocked. A school where I taught for 20 years and without giving me any reason to respond and without letting me know what the complaints are, I got a termination letter. So here you have a biology professor who's fired for teaching what is actually science when it comes to the difference in biological sex, uh, that females have two X chromosomes and um, males have X and one X and one Y chromosome. And he also teaches that there are some exceptions to that that uh, do happen. Okay, there's different syndromes where there's, you know, one of them's got two X and one Y and one of them has, uh, you know, some, some different ones. And they're very, very rare. And uh, even more rare is anybody even knowing. Like if you have one of these situations with your chromosomes, you may not even know unless you have a uh, test one day. And uh, so he taught all of that, though. That's science. OK, that's that's information. So my question is, when does an idea, when does information become religion? What he's claiming, this professor's claiming, is that he was fired because he was teaching this and they called it religion. And the idea is that he's going against the idea today that that information is not accurate when it comes to biological sex or that this uh, it gets into the the gender critical theory, the queer theory, and all of that, which is trying to what that what the critical theories try to do ultimately is undo the foundation of everything, including science. You know, usually we hear about critical theory and somebody's talking about gender theory or they're talking about uh, critical race theory or there's, you know, different ones with that. And, you know, there's some some different criticisms and different ways to sort of uphold some of the questions that are asked by those things. But underlying all of it in critical theory is the idea that what we have come to know, even the way we do research, the way we do science, the way we report on data, all of those things are now suspect. All right. They are especially suspect if they are Western, if they are Judeo-Christian, in some cases, if they come from uh, European people or white people um, or any group of people, any sort of race of people, if they are in in the idea of what's called intersectionality, if you are less oppressed than some other group, then those other groups have the ability to say what you're saying, the data you're saying, or the way that you instruct, the way you teach uh, might be wrong. And it might be racism or it might be colonialism. There's a whole lot of isms. And ultimately, everything breaks down in the critical theory. And that's actually the goal. So you'll hear Lots of people say this is insane. This doesn't make any sense. And we say that because it doesn't make sense. But what we we don't realize is that's the goal. 
that the goal is to make it not make sense. The goal is to turn everybody against each other. And that's ultimately what happens. And that may not be the goal of the person who's teaching the stuff in your classroom or the person who is talking about these things. But the ultimate goal of the people, the philosophical founding people of this is to undo what people have always thought. All right. When you undo the idea of God, all right, if you're Friedrich Nietzsche and you say there's no God, you also have to deal with the fact that if there's no God, now you've undone, you've untethered everybody's understanding of morality and right and wrong. Because if there's no God, then you have undone what every culture has always believed is the determinator of right and wrong. And see, and if you if you follow some of the logic of Darwin and you say that um, in the evolution of the species that human beings are not really special from other beings, now you've undone the value of human beings, that human beings are just part of the animal class, animal species of different kinds, and uh, not made in the image of God. That doesn't really matter. And as soon as you do that, then human beings don't have any value. Right. And then if you follow uh, some Freudian theory, which was rejected for a long time, but is now becoming something more accepted, the idea is that we are all biological, sexual beings, and uh, whatever it is you say you are is what you can be. You see, and you start to accept that kind of stuff. Now you're tearing down everything. You're tearing down morality. You're tearing down uh, foundational human thought for every culture on earth. You're tearing down male and female. And if you're going to continue down with that logic, then you also eventually have to take down science. Because science, the science that determined that male and female have two chromosomes, the X and Ys, that that must be somehow Western thinking, that it is not necessarily fact. It's been something that has been created because of a system of analyzing data. It starts to get really complicated, and you might say, that's really crazy. You can read all about it. There are some really good books out there. A great one that explains this, by the way, is a book called Cynical Theories, and it's written by uh, it's not a Christian book, okay? It's written by people who call themselves uh, classical liberals, uh, liberal professors. So they're not Christian. They're not religious. They're not even taking a moral position on a lot of different things, homosexuality or other sexuality issues, those kinds of things. But they're pointing out the insanity of this critical theory. They call it cynical theories. And th- this is a group of people who, a few years ago, maybe you remember, there were some professors who wrote into medical journals and scientific journals, legitimate ones, phony phony studies that they came up with to, just to see if they would get published. And one of them was that, you know, a few years ago, remember the conversation was about rape culture and that, you know, different things cause cause people to rape people. And, and uh, in a way, it's an excuse for that. It was another way of expanding, you know, any sort of, uh, you know, regretted sexual intercourse becomes rape and uh, to sort of justify that. And it got really crazy, right? Where you can be completely consensual in a relationship for a long time. And then you can turn around and relook at it and say, no, I was raped, um, which clearly you weren't in those cases. Anyway, they wrote this paper about dogs in the park And they said that dogs playing in the park contribute to rape culture. Like go to your regular city park and uh, dogs that are playing in the park contribute to rape culture because of things that dogs do. And then little kids notice that and then they grow up to become rapists because of the dogs in the park. It was completely absurd. And yet it got published. And they received awards for these things that they literally just made up. 
So they, they published a book called Cynical Theories. If you go through that book, it's just really incredible at each level of this kind of thinking. And ultimately, they start to say this is more like religion than it is uh, science, because it's not based on data. It's not based on things that can be evaluated. In fact, it rejects data. I mean, you might hear people say we need to, you know, stop, you know, trusting math. We need to stop trusting the data based on the idea that another culture or another time or even a religious group of people might have a different approach to something. And we shouldn't say that their approach to something is less valuable just because they come up with a different answer. Right? If, you're, if your math comes up with 2 plus 2 equals 5, um, a Western way of thinking, in fact, an entire world way of thinking really, would say that you're wrong. Right, that you're you're ultimately factually incorrect because two plus two is four. But now there's a push to say, well, that's true in your way of thinking, but in this other person's way of thinking, in their from their background, two plus two might equal seventeen. And if they say so, who are you to say that it doesn't? So you become a colonialist, which is like the worst thing if you are imposing your rules of math uh, on somebody because they say two plus two is seventeen. So what is the difference? When does an idea become a religion? 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557 is the number. This is the Pastor Scott Show. 888-528-2557. This professor, by the way, when you get into the story, I think probably why they attacked him. I actually looked him up. You know, you can do these professor ratings. We didn't have these when I was in school, You know, which I guess I'm glad about. I think it's probably not helpful, but you you go, there's many websites where you rate your professors and you can rate their teaching style. You can rate the amount of homework you get. You can say, you know what they are. Do you really have to go to the lecture? You know, I had a couple of classes and you realize you don't really have to go to the lecture. I had one where the professor actually spent his time joking around for an hour and 20 minutes in class and saying ludicrous things. And really, the the lecture was a waste of time, but he made it 25% of your grade to show up. So you had to be there, or you couldn't really do well in the class. And the class was, uh, it was a history class. It was 1945 to the present. And see, and during this, when I was in this class, the Berlin Wall fell. Uh, when I was actually in this class, history was changing, right? If you're taking a class, 1945 to the present, and the Berlin Wall is falling down, and communism is collapsing around the world. It's a, it's undoing a lot of what the class was about. Anyway, we kind of thought that was the reason. But in that class, the lecture had nothing to do with the exams. You had to read the books. They were 100% about the, the, the books. And in a lot of classes like that, you would just not go to class if you realized that, except here you got that credit. That professor, by the way, later on wrote a book uh, about the terrible thing it is for professors who uh, don't actually lecture in class and just force you to read books. He seriously did. We were like the experimental class. Anyway, you can rate those professors. I would have rated that guy, and I would have said uh, he's hilarious. He was funny, the things that he would say. He would say every day, you know, it's a 1945 to the present. Well, the present is always changing. It's always We're always getting further behind in this class. He would spend an hour and 20 minutes complaining about being further behind. And, uh, you know, it was funny, but it was a pain. And the tests were difficult. It was one of the most difficult classes actually I had. Anyway, you can rate these professors. And I went to this professor in Texas who got fired for teaching biology uh, the way everybody teaches it. And he'd been there 20 years, and his ratings are excellent. 
Most of the uh, students say that he's very good. The class is test heavy. Uh, don't skip class. You will not pass the class if you skip. His lectures matter. Uh, you're going to read a lot. They write that his grading criteria is very clear. They write, you know, mostly really popular things. And then there's a couple of bad reviews on there, but it has nothing to do with religion or anything. It's probably the students who got a bad grade because they didn't go to class. And so they, you know, like the person has one bad experience and then they leave a bad Yelp review on the place, even though they go there and 100 times, you know, 99 out of 100 times, it's a great experience and they never put anything positive on the Yelp. But uh, one time you, uh, you, know, you put onions on the burger when you said no onions and now I'm going to blast you on, on the Yelp machine. Uh, this is Yelp for professors. It's all really good. And yet, all of a sudden, he's fired. And I think he's fired because he's a Christian and because he knew that. And in his course, when you're teaching biology about sex, you're going to contradict uh, the the language of today in uh, what's called queer theory. And if you contradict that, you are going to be suspect and you are going to be attacked. And he was and he got fired and they really didn't even give him a reason. So it got me thinking, isn't this religion? Isn't it religion the other way? Because what he was teaching is science. I think there's no doubt that what he was teaching is science. But it's actually another religion that got him removed because he disobeyed the tenets of the religion that says you need to put science aside in order to bolster our point of view on human sexuality. 888-528-2557 is the number. So what what makes an idea a religion versus just an idea? 888-528-2557. Ted, City of Angels, how are you doing, Ted, today? Good, good. How about you? I'm fine, Ted. What, what makes something a religion and not just an idea? Well, um, I, I more or less, it's, the easiest way for me to respond would be to go back to uh, what you're saying. These people are trying to normalize abuse. And uh, what do we have? An individual knows the difference between right and wrong. And if they didn't, then why do you have an extreme suicide rate of people who've been raped, uh, people that uh, become drug addicts and alcoholics trying to smash the feelings? Uh, you know, we've talked in the past. I spent 22, room, 22 years in the rooms of AA uh, uh, listening to the horrified stories of people that were victimized and uh, as a result, they became uh, drug addicts and alcoholics and got into prostitution, all kinds of really wacky behavior. And they're suffering for life and they carry it for life. And it affects them even when they try to get married. They have to live with what was done to them through incest and everything. Yeah. And uh, if this is having an adverse effect on people, just as a normal person, why would they have any case to say that it's normal? And how could they even stand up against the Word of God? Because the Word of God protects us so that we don't have to go through this horrifying experience to the point where you want to kill yourself. So there's, you know, there's a lot in there that you're talking about. And what is the difference? You were in AA for a while. There's clearly some conversation that you're having in AA that is about religion and some that is about science. What's the difference when you're talking about, just say alcoholism, for example, what's the science and what's the religion? Do you see what I'm, uh, what I'm trying to, to determine here? You still with me, Ted? Oh, we might have lost you, Ted. Uh, you know, what I was getting at is that, you know, with AA and other stuff, that there's a place where you 
you know, there is science. There's science to alcohol and what it does to your body. There's, you know, when you go to the doctor and they, they fill out a form, which, by the way, irritates me. Every time I go to a new doctor, I have to ask all, answer all the exact same questions again. And, uh, you know, wouldn't it be nice if there was – if you just did a form, I was wondering, what do you do with that form? Can't I just have like a digital version of my stuff? Anyway, um, they'll ask you a couple of questions. The first one is usually do you smoke? And if the answer is yes, then you've got a whole bunch of other questions you're going to get. If the answer is no, then you don't get those questions. Uh, do you drink alcohol? And then it will say how often? You know, once in, a, once in a while, occasionally. They'll use different words like that every day, how many a day, those kinds of things. And your answers to that will lead the physician to uh, consider things differently for you. You know what I mean? Um, so there's a science behind alcoholism. There's a science behind people trying to figure it out. And the science can be, you know, changed over time as information and data comes forward. But there's also, when you're dealing with alcoholism, religion. You know, there's also a why. A why should we um, stop drinking? Like, what difference does it make whether I drink myself to death or not? Well, the answer becomes more about religion, that it has more to do with a belief about what life is. Is, are you a valuable person? See, in Christianity, the great thing is, is we have the message that says, yes, you're valuable. You're made in the image of God. Well, why am I such a wreck? Well, it's because you are sinful. And there's a whole story about why there's sin and how that affects people. And uh, is there an answer? Yes, there is. The answer is Jesus Christ. There's a whole book about him called the Bible. And it begins in Genesis. And it takes you through all of human history or the major parts of human, all the things that fit into what leading up to the Savior. And then everything in human history beyond that is about the Savior returning again to make everything right. And you have the ability to say, yes, I am valuable. I am forgiven. There is grace. There is hope. All of those things. Science can't produce that, right? The the hope of science ultimately is that one day the sun's going to explode and burn everything up in the solar system. That's the best science can give you. Um, but religion is something more than that. And if it's true, it's not just phony baloney hope. If it's true, then what happens is is you have eternal life. That's what we believe. So religion, when you get into it, is a belief uh, in something. When we come back, i got to take a break. When we come back, I'll continue asking that question, what's, when does an idea become a religion? But I'll, I'll share a few things. I think it's important as we consider our world today where people are getting fired for things that used to be considered true and really unquestionable to a certain degree, such as this professor who got fired. What What is a religion and what does religious belief do? 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Well, we we have issued some guidelines that say that uh, a provider who receives Medicare funding, Medicaid funding, must be prepared to offer gender-affirming care. We unfortunately ran into a couple of circuit courts uh, that said differently, and so we are now in the process of having to uh, work under those rulings. Uh, But we're not going to stop everywhere where we have an opportunity at the federal level. And again, I go back to yesterday's conversation where we don't control health care. We don't control how gender-affirming care is provided or if it is provided. 
But where we have laws that require you to fulfill your obligations, if you want that Medicaid dollar to come to your state, we're going to make sure you check the box. That was United States Secretary of Health and Human Services, Xavier Becerra, uh, speaking to Congress about how at the federal level, they are forcing uh, organizations that take money from uh, the Fed, Medicare, and uh, in particular, to accept uh, doing gender-affirming care, even if they don't believe the science supports it. And there is a lot of question today about this kind of uh, teaching, not just in the gender care area, but in many areas, about what is science and what is religion. And my question is, when does an idea become a religion? Have you ever thought about that? Uh, when does an idea, you know, I have the idea that uh, we should really push children to change their gender. Okay, it's an idea, and you talk about it, and you do some studies, but when does it become a religion? You know, why is it that while the interesting thing is uh, most of the world today is reversing course on gender-affirming care, particularly for minors, the United States is moving full forward ahead and punishing people and threatening to punish people who do not agree. In the last segment, we had a professor who was just teaching straightforward biology about X and Y chromosomes who was fired, and he was accused of teaching religion because he was teaching that science. When does it become a religion? And, you know, I thought about typically religions in the world. You know, did you take a religion course? What do you think about this, by the way? Pastor Scott Show, the number is 888-528-2557. If you took a religious course in college and, uh, you know, we had, I think I had world religions or something like that, you learned about different types of religions. And there were, you know, the main ones were Christianity and Buddhism and Islam, Judaism, uh, and there were a few other smaller ones. Hinduism is the other big one. I think there were big five, and then there are other ones. And then there are there's some new religious movements uh, that typically don't get called a religion. Like you can't just go out and say, well, I've started a religion. All right, it's it doesn't really work that way. You've got in a religion – the thing that usually makes an idea into a religion is when you get dogmatic about it, when the idea becomes rigidly fixed and unquestionable, when you say this cannot be questioned, you know, even in Christianity. And by the way, just as you're listening to the Pastor Scott show, I don't have any problem with anybody questioning any part of my faith. You can question it. You can question creation or you can question miracles or you can question, you know, the miracles in the Bible. You can question you know, did Jesus rise from the grave or not? That's the major question, because if he did, then through that lens, you better look at the rest of it. If he didn't rise from the grave, then through that lens, you can look at the rest of it and probably reject it, right? But, you know, with when things get pretty dogmatic, and sometimes as Christians, I think we get nervous about people questioning. I don't think we should get nervous, because I think if we have the truth then it's going to survive people's questions. You know, I think what doesn't work too well is when we tell people you can't question it, okay? Uh, I know somebody who walked away from the faith for a while. Her testimony is because she was questioning uh, creation, and all she was asking about was dinosaurs in a, in a class at a Christian school. And, uh, you know, she was told she's not allowed to ask that question. She thought that was weird, and she's right. You should be able to ask any question. Well, anyway, I'm not afraid of uh, of the questions, but, you know, in religion, sometimes when, when things become religious, there are certain things that you have to hold to, and I'm okay with that. 
I do believe you have to hold to God created the earth, and I think you got to hold to there was the fall of man, there is sin, and you have to hold to Jesus Christ being uh, the Savior, both God and man, and I'd say that you got to hold to Jesus Christ being sinless, that he died on the cross, that he physically died, that he was buried, that he rose again, uh, and that all of that defeated death and sin. There's a bunch of things I think you can hold to, but I'm not afraid if you want to question it. Religion has sacredness. You know, what kinds of things are, are sacred? Um, in religion, there's community and identity, right? When an idea brings people together for a community or for a purpose, then it can become religion or a moral code. You know, typically religions have some moral code. You know, most religions agree about murder and about stealing and some of the big ones, but there's some differences on other things. Um, a belief in a... Uh, a supernatural or transcendental elements. You know, something is incorporated into the belief that there's some kind of higher power, okay, in a religion, typically. You know, what about atheism or, uh, you know, secular secular humanism? You know, those probably aren't a religion, okay? They're more, you'd have to put those in philosophy, you know, because when you have the lack of belief in, in deities and the lack of belief in supernatural, it can't be a religion. Um, but it can be a philosophy. You can get pretty dogmatic about those things. Uh, 888-528-2557. <laughs> Sheila in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. How's it going? Good, Sheila. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm calling all the time. I'm sorry. But um, I just wanted to talk about the, the topic. Um, I And when you brought up the biology, I remembered in, in college, my biology professor talked about um, – it, the reproduction. I mean, and said that um, for trees, in order to reproduce, you have to have a male and a female gender. And I just thought that was so interesting because, um, you know, it's like when you mentioned about the professor being fired um, for teaching biology the way, you know, that we believe. I just thought, how do you get around that? I mean, does that mean that you're going to, they're, they're going to want to change the curriculum? of, you know, just how nature um, is, I just, it doesn't make sense to me, you know? Um, yeah, it, and, and actually no there are movements that mm-hmm. want to change the curriculum, to literally put, even to take the science that you would have learned when you were in school that hasn't changed mm-hmm. um, and put an asterisk by it at minimum and say not every culture or every person believes this. Some people believe that there are, you know, multi- that trees don't need this. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's where I think there becomes something different, like in religion. So, for example, when it comes to science, um, the church used to teach that the earth was the center of the universe and the sun went around the earth. Okay, that was a, mm-hmm. that was a teaching of the church hundreds of years ago. And when the first people said, hey, that's not what we're observing, now that we have some telescopes and just some logic about how things seem to be going, some of those people were persecuted, even executed, you know, back in the in those days for that belief. Right. But actually, the church was wrong about that. Um, right. However, it's important to note, by the way, the Bible never says that. The Bible never says that the earth is the center of the universe or that the sun goes around the earth. It never says that. Um, but you, you can understand why people logically believe that. I could make a, a you know, 13th century theological argument, I suppose, that the earth is the center of all things because that's where God has created the creature in his image and uh, sent his son, right? You can see where people got that. 
Um, right, right. But that was rejected ultimately because of science and also because the, the Bible doesn't even say it. So you don't have to believe that. Yeah. Um, right. So and, what's going to happen you know, now is that there, make... there will be, let me just finish my thought here. There will be positions right. put out there about not just gender, but lots of things that states a position that you have to accept or we might burn you at the stake, you know, figuratively speaking today, or maybe literally one day. Yeah. Um, and that's the weird, <laughs> that's the weird thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I hear you. And um, honestly, so I work for a health plan, right? And um, we have um, obviously contracts with, um, with, you know, state health programs and, and you know, Medicaid and Medi- Medicare. Um, so, we uh, it was interesting because um our providers are not held to um i guess the the standard like if if something a procedure that um <clears throat> that is available through medicaid um is uh, goes against their religious beliefs they can opt out um in in doing those procedures the providers can opt um, out Right, right, right. See, and I think what's um, happening is so, that they might lose that option. Yeah, yeah. That's and that's, that's that's that blows my mind because it's like how how is it that that you have that freedom of religion then you know yeah. so then they're taking that liberty away from us. Yeah. See, and that's um, what Xavier Becerra was saying. He was threatening. You know, the courts blocked it, so the courts at this point said, "No, you can't do that." But. He mm-hmm. is threatening for whatever power he can to actually do that, to say to a doctor who says, I don't believe in this. You know, it can be abortion or some gender care or it can be other stuff um, that right. they have right. to do it or else be terminated or not be paid. And I think that, that in itself that, is religion. Yeah. I think that's not science. Right. It's religion. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sheila, thank so, you. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Sheila, for calling the Pastor Scott Show. I think that is the the thing here is that the idea becomes religion when you have to force it on other people, even though it's not backed up by by science, backed up by the uh, ability to question and test, right? At some point, religion is always going to be faith. Uh, Not having religion, I think I said earlier that, you know, you're not really religious if you're atheist, but you are because you have faith. You don't have faith in a deity, but you have to have some kind of faith that you're right and the 99% of all of human history is wrong about the idea that there must be a deity uh, or some higher power in the universe, right? Some place you have to have faith. At some place you are not there at the resurrection of Christ and you are not a eyewitness. You have to have faith that the eyewitness accounts we have today are accurate. And I think that when you look at them, they're pretty accurate. And especially when you take a look at what happened in history, something happened you know, where a bunch of people with no political power, no political aspirations, no weapons, um, and no, you know, significant education mostly, they literally changed the world. Well, what happened? Well, the best answer for that is Jesus came out of the tomb. I got to take a break. I'll take your calls when we come back. 888-528-2557. Linda, I see your call and others. 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Wednesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. When does an idea become a religion? I'm talking about that because I think it's important in really thinking about the way that we're talking today about so many things. Because sometimes um, people have an, an idea that is actually religion and not science. Okay. And you find that discussion in a lot of the moral questions that we have in our society today, gender care or abortion. Um, it can be a lot of different things in medicine. 888-528-2557. The New York Times published a story. They're getting a lot of flack about it today because the statement in it is transgender people in Denmark had a 7.7 times the rate of suicide attempts and 3.5 times the rate of suicide deaths compared with the rest of the population. And, you know, actually, I would have thought, to be honest with you, I would have thought it'd be higher than that, even from what they're saying, because, you know, especially because of so much that we hear, and I understand the suicidal ideation that is behind a lot of what people are going through. Um, and I would say that our, our, our culture, in fact, a lot of Western culture on this has not been actually compassionate because we're not dealing in reality with it. And when you push people further into things that disassociate themselves from what really is happening, you're probably going to cause more suicidal ideation. And there's only a few studies now beginning to show that. Uh, but the interesting thing about the New York Times, the reason they're getting some grief about it is because when you got into the numbers of the, of the study, in 41 years of studying people, it was 12 people committed suicide, 12. And it's really, and it's because there's a very tiny percentage of the population that would consider themselves transgender, in particular, if, if you're talking over 41 years, it's a very, it's a small number. And then when you start to think, you know, we have what, something like 22 United States veterans die by suicide every day. And the number of murders that we have every day uh, in our country in different places, you know, it's it's not that it's not important. The suicide, it is. It's super important. But there is a religious fervor with dealing with that. And it also ignores that the studies are now coming out in Europe that is restricting the gender care for minors in most of these countries. And there's only one really good study so far, a Swedish study, that is actually actually uh, cited by these people in the study. This study, incidentally, it actually says that our data might be completely wrong. It actually says that. And it points out that the Swedish study says that people who actually transitioned, that 10 years later, their suicide ideation goes up 19 times. And so, you know, it's the New York Times is taking the study out of context in order to produce a headline that fulfills uh, the agenda on this subject. And, you know, people today can read that. You can go read the study yourself. And, and, you know, there's a lot of numbers. I always think that whenever I see percentages and not numbers, I worry about it, right? That whenever I see particularly a controversial subject and I'm given percentages and not numbers, you got to go find the numbers. You know, because you can say, you know, uh, the number of people who who accidentally stepped on a circle saw in their garage that was turned on doubled last year. You know, double, yeah, it went up by 200 um, percent. Well, it could have been two to four, like four dumb people instead of just two dumb people, uh, you know, and uh, I don't mean you're dumb if you happen to cut off your toes with a circle saw. There's always, every time I say something like that, somebody's like, I did that. Are you saying I'm a dumb person? No, I'm just making it up. Uh, that kind of thing. 
Uh, see, it becomes religion. And that actually is something that I think we, in maybe another way to look at it, is the difference between information and ideology. All right, you have an ideology. As a Christian, I've got an ideology. I've got a worldview, okay? I believe, and I have a system of ideas and beliefs and values that say that there is a God, that that God created the universe, that that God created me and created you and created human beings in his image, that he allowed people to sin, and there's different beliefs about why, and there's lots of questioning about that, but there is sin, that he sent a Savior, it was his son, his name is Jesus, he died on the cross for our sins, he rose again on the third day, and uh, we are his church, and we have the Holy Spirit, and one day he's coming back, and uh, he's going to make everything right again. You know, that's the short way of putting it, but that's, that's a, that is an ideology and a worldview that I have, that I look at the world and I look at the news through that lens. And when I see human suffering, and when I see division, and then I see infighting, and I see a whole lot of bad stuff happening, the lens I'm looking at it to say through is that it's sin in the world. That's ideology or religion in my case. But information is different, right? It's just the data behind that. You know, what are the numbers of deaths that have occurred because of suicide? What are the numbers of deaths that are occurring because of violence? You know, how many people have died in wars? Um, and then there's a there's a religious reason that I might say those wars exist, but then there's just data. And that's the difference between indoctrination and instruction. And this is the reason it's important. I- instruction, okay, and this is where this, I think, plays out in schools. It also plays out in the medical community, and it plays out in the scientific community. At some point, you're dealing with information, and you have schools that are giving information and instruction. And that refers to the process of teaching or providing knowledge and skills in an objective and informal, informative manner, right? Everybody's got their opinions about things and their biases, but the best that you can do if you're teaching and trying to inform is to give people factual information, to be able to tell people, you know, the, the seriousness about the facts, you know, meaning, you know, how, how much how much confidence do we have in this study or these facts and be serious about it? You know, what kind of practical skills, how can I use it? Those kinds of things. And instruction should be as neutral or unbiased as possible. You know, and when you're dealing with, say, religion or with philosophy, you say, this is what these people believe. Here's what the Christians believe in general. Here's what the Buddhists believe in general. Here's what the Hindus believe in general, and so forth and so on. It's a different thing when it's indoctrination. Indoctrination is something that happens when it's more one-sided. When you take information and what you're saying is that one side is wrong and this side is right, and you are doing it in such a way that is coercive, um, particularly if you're talking about school or a scientific community, and you're saying that, hey, you know what, we don't want you to engage in critical thinking, and we, we want you to do scientific studies as long as they agree with us. We want you to have an academic or a scientific opinion as long as it agrees with this agenda. And as soon as you're doing that, now you have indoctrination and you have propaganda, manipulation. Uh, it can be very emotional. It can be very terrible. Now, you know, if you're, if you're going to church, you should expect to hear the pastor teach um, what that church believes or what he believes on something. Um, but you can take it or leave it. You know, you can, you can get out of there. But if you're going to school or if you're going to your doctor, you don't want to be indoctrinated into something. You want the facts. You know, if you're going to school, if you're sending your child to school, you don't want indoctrination. You want 
instruction. You want the issues to be discussed and real a real understanding to be given of even differences of opinion that people have. That's okay. And this is where I think we're we're losing it in our school system, and we're losing it in medicine, particularly the last couple of years. I think a lot of medicine is great. You know, you have to be in a place where you, at some point, trust your doctor, but at the same time, you got to realize, you know what, doctors can make mistakes, and some today are influenced by um, an ideology, and it might impact the way you're being treated, and that's that's kind of frightening if you're if you're not a doctor. Um, eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Let me see if I can uh, I can take one call here uh, real quick. Annette in Simi Valley, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. I always enjoy your topics. They're Hi. always uh, complicated and very uh, interesting. Thank you. Um, I had the opportunity um, a few years ago to actually meet somebody who wrote a book about um, Newton. Sir Isaac Newton, and what a lot of people don't realize about Sir Isaac Newton, he's, he really believes the Bible, yeah. and he, he's a philosopher and not a scientist. And what a philosopher was, if somebody wanted to understand God better, they did philosophy. And so they weren't scientists. Scientists didn't come into later, but scientists was also based on philosophy. So when Newton found the answer about splitting light, he discovered, you know, um, didn't he discover gravity? I'm not sure. But, uh, but Newton discovered all sorts of things that were hidden by God. He began to understand and, uh, gravity and uh, the theory of color, even, and light and prisms. There's a lot of things that Newton did. Right. So Newton did kind of set the scene for science in many, many ways. Yeah. But he did it based on what he knew about scriptures. Yeah. I'm almost out of time here, Annette, but... Uh, I just you're... want to say one more thing. Okay, that, real quick. The, the Alcohol's Anonymous yeah. actually is based... I've worked in rehabilitation units. It's based on the scriptures. The The only way that right, someone has yeah. successfully... It was originally written by a Christian who based it on scriptural principles. That's right. And Annette, I'm almost out of time, but you make a good point here that you know science and religion don't have to compete. You know, I don't know that I would say that Newton wasn't a scientist, but maybe it was thought of differently in the day. Today, we would probably say so because his contributions to physics and math and astronomy, I mean, he's probably the most influential one in history. But he always did his work philosophically and I think and with the understanding that there is something that's unknown out there and that we can pursue it, but there is an existence of God and uh, he was very good about that. That's another good topic, but I'm out of time. Greg Laurie on the Pastor Scott Show when the Wednesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues in just a minute. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss that. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.